first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the phone? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck on MMAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Thanks for joining us once again this week. The Fight Island trip for the UFC has come to an end, at least for right now, at least for the month of July. They're going to be heading back there. One would assume Dana White pretty much said it without saying it, but uh, they are back in Las Vegas for a bunch of shows beginning this Saturday which is headlined by Derek Brunson versus Edmund Shabazian. The Contender Series starts their new season on Tuesday. Bellator is back. They had their event this past Friday. Sergio Pettis defeated Ricky Bandejas in the main event, but they will have their second event since their return from the COVID-19 layoff next Friday on August 7th, headlined by Michael Chandler versus Benson Henderson 2. There's a lot to be excited about. A lot of MMA coming up. Of course, we get the LFAs, the Titan FCs. If you're into the bare knuckle stuff, we get the bare knuckle stuff. So combat sports leading the way here. I mean, we've seen all the issues with Major League Baseball. We're seeing it in the NFL. The NBA seems to have a pretty good plan going with the bubble. But, you know, say what you want about Dana White, but you got to take your hat off to the man. My fellow bald guy, Dana White. Making it happen, leading the way for all of sports. I mean, it's just it's just unbelievable seeing all these stories come out of Major League Baseball and, and everything with countless guys on teams testing positive, but the UFC just keeps plugging away and plugging away and moving forward these events. It's 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 pretty unbelievable. So when you look at the schedule for the UFC, especially when it comes to pay-per-views, I mean just listen to the main events for three of the next four pay-per-view cards. August 15th, which is like two weeks away, Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier for the UFC heavyweight title, UFC 252 on August 15th. Massive, massive fight. Probably the biggest heavyweight fight of all time in the UFC. Plus, it's DC's final fight. Is it Stipe's final fight? So much to think about when it comes to just that matchup. And then next month, and then September... We get Israel Adesanya defending the middleweight title against Paulo Costa. Two undefeated guys fighting for a world title. This is crazy. Crazy. Can't wait for that fight. And for maybe like, what, a week? 
I was like, this is the biggest fight the UFC can make right now. Until earlier this week, Dana White goes to CNN of all places to announce that on October 24th, Habib Nurmagomedov is going to defend his undisputed title in the lightweight division against Justin Gaethje, the interim champion. Massive fight. These are three gigantic title fights. So buckle up because it doesn't look like the UFC is slowing down in any way anytime soon. But we can just talk about things that are upcoming for another hour. But we have a lot to get to this week. A lot of great guests. So let's run down the lineup and get right to it. Rounding up the show, we're going to talk to Jesse Ronson. He returned to the UFC on short notice. Up a weight class this past Saturday in Abu Dhabi. He took on Nicholas Dalby. Gets a first round finish. Gets a bonus. And it turns out this fight almost didn't happen this past Saturday night. And Jesse Ronson will explain why to wrap up the show a little bit later on. Curtis Millinder returns to action next Friday night at Bellator 243. Takes on Saba Homasi at Mohegan Sun. That's a fun fight at 170 pounds. We'll check in with Curtis Curtis Millinder later on in the show. Another big winner from Saturday night in Abu Dhabi. Tanner Bozier is going to join the show for the first time. Very excited about this. Following his second round TKO win over Rafael Pessoa. It's a second win in around a month's time. He is in quarantine in Canada. So he's going to join us and talk all about it and, and what could be next for him. I have to say that so many people over the last week, 10 days, have been asking me, Mike, what is going on with Manel Cape, the former Rise and Bantamweight champion? Because he was scheduled to face Rogerio Bontarin at UFC 252. We found out Bontarin is out of the fight. And I kind of gave an update on social media. The UFC was trying to book him some different options. One that I reported was Alexander Pantoja. That was being heavily discussed, but in the end, it didn't really happen. So we're going to get an update from Manel Cape in around 20 minutes. And spoiler alert, his debut is is going to happen, but it's going to happen a little later than anticipated. It will not happen to UFC 252, but the conversation is fantastic. But kicking us off this week, we're going to be joined by Carla Esparza. Four wins in a row for the Cookie Monster. She defeated Marina Rodriguez this past Saturday night in Abu Dhabi. You have to imagine she's got a very, very big fight coming her way next, no doubt. So let's check in with one of the big winners from UFC on ESPN 14, Carla Esparza. All right, we have Carla Esparza on the program coming off her decision win over Marina Rodriguez at UFC on ESPN 14 over the weekend in Abu Dhabi. Carla, good to see you. How are you? I'm great. Just got home yesterday and, um, yeah, just been relaxing and grubbing. There you go. Congratulations on the win. It was a hard-fought victory for you. You showed that, that dog toughness and grit that we see from you so often. How does it all feel a few days after the fact? Um, well, a little sore, but I'm, um, I'm honestly like really stoked about the way everything went. Um, I feel like it was a pretty, pretty decisive win and, um, you know, I'm, I'm on a good little streak right now. So yeah, just feeling good. How is the eye feeling right now? Like we could see some remnants from the battle. It looked pretty nasty on Saturday. Does it, does it feel better that it looked on Saturday and then it looks right now? Um, yeah, it's definitely feeling better. You know, it's bumps and bruises and all that. It's just, you know, another, another day at the, at the office for us. So, you know, nothing too crazy. Fortunately, no like real injuries other than, you know, I just got a couple stitches, so nothing too bad for me. 
It was it was quite the road to to get to that fight. First, with it being in the middle of a pandemic, Fight Island, the dates being changed. First off, what did you think of the setup and the Fight Island experience overall? You know, I thought it was a really good setup. The only thing that kind of threw things off was the time change for people. You know, we were fighting at like you know some people were fighting at one a.m. over there, so you know just kind of stick on a schedule back home and our obligations were all during obviously time and you know everyone was just kind of like a little bit off and you know that that was the only thing that threw things off but other than that honestly like everything was super smooth like you know everyone was really friendly and accommodating like um i i was lucky enough to show up on the on the final week so i feel like they really got everything kind of you know locked down and you know, for the most part, it was really like well organized. You know, of course, we had to jump through a couple hoops. You know, doing all the testing and you know quarantining and everything there. But you know, it's I feel like it's just part of part of our journey, and we're just lucky that we were able to even fight. Honestly, for sure, Marina, obviously a very dangerous opponent heading in. Entered the fight unbeaten, terrific striker from everywhere, as you found out on Saturday. But I, I spoke with Alex Perez a couple of days before the fight, and he told me that that you looked great, that you were ready, and that he saw some things personally that he knew you'd be able to take advantage of in the fight. Any surprises? Anything unexpected that she brought your way? You know, honestly, I, I feel we were pretty well prepared for everything that she had. Um, the only thing uh, that. Uh, caught me off guard a little bit was you know like her her strikes off the back you know like where I didn't think she would be as dangerous as she was and um you know when she did when I gave well when I gave her the opportunity like to to come on top um you know going for those footlocks I feel like she she was very aggressive and took advantage of the the short time that she had down there and you know she's just like super tough I guess I would say um that because watching her fights, she does have a lot of grit, and um, you know she's definitely has a no quit type of attitude. I've seen her in some really spots with Calvillo and and Ronda Marcos, and uh, she just kind of kept pushing, kept pushing, and you know has that like no quit mentality. So when I went for my second footlock, I I thought that I did feel a few pops, and uh, I thought she would have you know like tapped to that, but she, she's uh, you know just super super tough. What was the conversation like between the second and third rounds? Because the scoring, at least on social media, was kind of all over the place heading into the third round. What was that conversation like between you and your coaches? Um, I think it was basically like, hey, like, you know, you're you're winning the fight. Just do, do it. Like, stop going, you know, keep your position. You're having great position. Just keep, like, stay, fight smart, pretty much. Like, I was going for, like, these Hail Mary type of things and, you know, like, just to like fight the smart fight and keep keep a good position and, and win that round like decisively and my coach is telling me like just let go and with the ground and pound and he thought that you know she was uh she was gonna she was gonna quit and I felt that she you know kind of started breaking a little bit towards a towards that third round it was a battle in there it was a very close fight great competitive matchup I felt like this is one of the under the radar fights, not just for the card, but for the full slate of Fight Island events. This is one that was circled on my books for a while. But when the fight's all over and you have that battle and Joe Martinez is getting ready to read the scorecards, what is going through your mind? Um, I 
honestly thought I, I had to fight in the bag. And then, you know, you hear that, like, split decision. You're always just kind of like, oh, my God, like, what, you know, like, ah, what's going to happen right now? And you know, it's always kind of a scary moment. But, I mean, I felt that I had it. And I didn't even personally, I felt that I won, like, all so I, I was, uh, you know, like a little bit like scared at that moment when I when I heard that. But, um, you know, like uh, I, I would have been kicking myself definitely um, for those, those, uh, those hail block attempts, um, you know, had the decision gone the other way. But fortunately, I was able to pull it off. One of the beautiful things about this sport is that no matter how long you've been doing it, how many big level fights you've had you can always grow and take something away from a fight it doesn't matter when or where or who you always take something away what did you take away from those 15 minutes with marina um i guess what i took away was you know just being more conscious of you know if i am gonna go for like you know submission just more conscious of the time you know on the clock more conscious of you know where uh, the fight is, you know, like how I'm doing in the fight and do I really need this submission right now? Like just being more smart about, uh, you know, when I'm throwing these things out there and, um, you know, I would say that's the biggest takeaway for me. You know, everything else is pretty much, um, like pretty standard, you know, like fights are hard, you know, things happen, things that I've seen before, but I really wanted to, um, you know, test, test a couple things out and, uh, it takes some more chances. I want to start getting these, you know, exciting finishes. I want to start putting people out and not leaving it to the judges. And um, I think I just have to be a little bit more smart about when I do them and where I do them. You know, I got caught on the cage, you know, my first time. So I would say that's the biggest takeaway. So let's talk about where you go from here, because that's what we do in MMA, right? Like you get to enjoy the victory for two minutes before these questions start coming. And, you know, you've been wanting a fight with Claudia Gedalia for a little while now. She's got a fight booked. And then Amanda Hebas called for the winner of your fight with Marina. Claudia, Claudia seems to be like the number one on your list. But Amanda's got herself some momentum right now after that win over Paige Van Zandt. So what have you made of Amanda's sort of rise over these last several months? You know, um, she's definitely been someone that I, I've been hearing about for a while in the division as, you know, an up-and-comer, an up-and-coming star, you know. So, um, you know, I would definitely love the opportunity to take that challenge, you know, especially if she's asking for it. You know, I'm, I, I would love that fight. I think it's a it's a really good fight. Um, you know, Claudia Gadella, it's, you know, it's going to happen. I've, you know, I feel like, it's just, uh, that's a tough one. I mean, I've, I've been wanting to fight her since, you know, the last fight. We've had a, we've had this back and forth thing going for so many years since back in Invicta. This has been going on for seven plus years, you know, just this kind of rivalry. So, you know, she wants to fight me. I want to fight her. So it's going to happen eventually. I'm not going to hold my breath for it, though. Um, if Amanda's the next fight for me, Amanda's the next fight. If there's another fight for me, if, you know, if a title fight is in the, in the talks, you know, I, I'm in for that too. So, you know, I'm game for whatever. I feel like, like you're on this great streak right now. You've won four in a row and Amanda right now would be like a nice notch in your belt, considering how much people have been sort of gravitating towards her. And you've been known to hand these surging fighters, that veteran L do you enjoy, I guess, being that sort of hype train derailer for the 115 pound division? 
Honestly, that, that's starting what it, that's what it's starting to feel like. Um, I, I feel like I, I'm like the gatekeeper for the young, like for the young up and comers. And, you know, it's like, is this person ready for that title shot? And, you know, but I, I'm tired of being that gatekeeper. You know, I feel that I'm ready for that, for another title shot. You know, I feel like I'm the fight, the next fight that makes sense. There's, you know, a lot of people that are out right now and not able to fight or coming off losses and, you know, for me, I've, uh, you know, I've been knocked down, but I've been climbing my way back to that title shot, and I and I feel like I'm ready for it. Do you feel like fighting Zhang is, like, right there for you? Do you feel like the, the stars have aligned to make that fight happen here? You know, um, I, I would say... I would say I am I am ready for that fight and with everything going on in the world it is really like stars aligning you know just kind of have has worked out this way where I feel that you know everything is just kind of lining up you know like Rose is out for a while with her you know no surgery I hear like uh, Tatiana has a, a neck injury and Nina is pregnant and, you know, like, you know, this division, there's a lot going on in this division right now. And a lot of people are not able to fight right now. And I'm coming off, you know, four, four big wins against really tough opponents. And I, and I think that the stars are aligned for me to, you know, take this opportunity. This pandemic has honestly been giving me nothing but opportunities and I'm, and my hands are open for them. I'm, I'm ready for the taking, you know? I feel like it's a two-horse race right now for that next title shot. It's either they run back the fight with Joanna, which was a, a classic for 25 minutes, or they, they they give you the title shot. And, and I've always wanted to know, like, what about Joanna? Like, that first fight happened five years ago. It was a much different time. It was your first, like, big event in front of a huge crowd like that. Like, you've come a long way. You've got so much big fight experience under your belt since then. Is that a fight you'd like to get back at some point? You know, uh, I think if, if we fought again, the fight would, you know, it's it's a tough fight. Joanna's one of the best fighters in the world. You know, who knows where the fight's going to go, but I definitely feel that it will go a lot differently than it did the first time. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not one who's hungry for rematches, for this person or that person. I'm just hungry for that top spot. You know, whoever that might be, whoever's in that spot, if, if it's Joanna, if it's, if it's Wele or whoever. You know, I'm not I'm not chasing any specific per, specific person. I mean, aside from, you know, the rivalry between, you know, me and Claudia, like I'm I'm just I'm game for whoever's going to put me next to that that title shot. Yeah, the Claudia fight just needs to happen at this point. Like, <laughs> I can't believe it hasn't happened already. It's bizarre. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to try? I mean, when would you like to come back? I mean, obviously, you're healing up a little bit here and. It's a, it's a crazy time, so these events are just going to keep popping up. These big fight fights keep popping up out of nowhere. When would you like to get back if it were up to you? You know, like I, I did not take any too much, uh, too bad of damage other than you know stitches and a couple of bumps and bruises. So you know, I I definitely like to come back sooner rather than later. You know, I'm going to get back to training in the next couple weeks. Um, you know, I'm going to take time off, you know, to kind of like mentally and physically recover a little bit. But I'm going to be back at it soon. And, you know, I'm ready to fight and take advantage of these times right now. There's a lot of opportunities out there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I'm game to come back um, in the next, you know, like two, three months or whenever. 
and you get to play, you get to be a fan for a little while. Your good friend Felice Herrig's about to get back at it after nearly two years away. She's been recovering from the torn ACL, and she's facing an opponent in Verna Genderoba, someone you're familiar with because you've already fought her and defeated her, handed her her first loss. How excited are you to see Felice get back in there and do her thing? Oh, my God. I am so excited for Felice. Um, you know, we've been uh, talking a lot uh, over, you know, the, the course of her injury and you know, injuries are never tough for fighters. You know, we love, this is what we do. This is our life. And, uh, you know, I feel that it's lit, lit a fire under her though. She's hungry to come back. She's ready to, you know, to, to get in that wind column. And, and I, and I feel like she's mixed things up, you know, with some new, new, uh, coaches and training partners. So I think we're going to definitely see new, new, uh, new Felice out there. So I'm really excited for her. True or false, by this time next year, the Team Oyama gym will have two UFC world champions in yourself and Alex Perez. <laughs> true, 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 true. <laughs> I'm excited to see what what comes of this 25 thing. I think Perez. I've been saying it for a while. I think Perez is next for that title shot. I think he's earned it. I think the finish in his last fight put him over the top. But it's the UFC, and crazy things happen. Is he? Where do you think he is? Do you think he gets that shot? I don't know if he gets that shot. I think he deserves that shot. Um, I think that Alex has has gone in this division and has just been finishing people right and left and fighting these tough fights. And even before the UFC, I feel like he was a long time coming, you know, to get in here. He wasn't just some like young fighter with you know five like like five ten you know ten fights. I think he came in with over twenty fights. So, you know, Alex is a force to be reckoned with and, you know, he's just getting better and better. And as we've seen from his last fight, just, you know, putting putting these bets out with leg kicks, you know, like he's just showing more and more weapons. And I, and I feel like he's definitely in line for that next title shot. I think that's a fight that makes sense. And the only thing that might, you know, like derail it potentially is uh, Cody coming down. But, um, you know, outside of that happening... Um, I mean, even even with that happening, I, I just I do feel that Alex is entitled to that next shot. But you you know how it goes. Yeah, so. and he's ready to to take another fight if he needs to. But Carl, again, congratulations on another another hard fought win. You are a, you're a tough cookie. Pun completely <laughs> intended. Enjoy the win. All the best to you. As uh, it looks like a, a a big fight and a big opportunity is coming your way here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Carla. Great having Carla Sparza on the program for the first time. Another big win for her on Saturday, and she is becoming the strawweight division's prospect derailer. And it's interesting because myself and Alex Kaylee, we host a audio-only podcast that drops on Monday mornings after these events called On to the Next One. It's kind of a matchmaking podcast, and AK thinks that Carla Sparza should just get the next title shot, and I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think what they're going to end up doing is go with Esparza versus Amanda Hebas. And this all depends on how quickly Zhang Weili wants to get back in there. If they do Esparza versus Hebas, then you do the rematch between Zhang Weili and Yuani and Jacek. But I got to tell you, and if you've been reading my columns for a little while, you know this because I've said it a few times, I really want to see Esparza versus Jan Jacek, that rematch five years after that first fight they had because it'd be a really fascinating fight. It's just a different time. I'd like to see how that would play out now that it's 2020, and then maybe the winner can fight Zhang Weili. But again, Zhang has become one of the UFC's global stars. 
So it, it all depends on when she's ready to go. But let's move ahead to someone a lot of people are excited about in the UFC's flyweight division. He has an update for everybody. So let's check in with Manel Cape. All right, we have the former Ryzen Bantamweight champion, Manel Cape, back on the show. He is set to make his UFC debut on August 15th at UFC 252. He was originally scheduled to face Rogerio Bontarin at that event. He is out of the fight, so people have been hitting me up left and right, wondering what is going on with Manel Cape. Is he still fighting on August 15th? So I thought, you know what? Let's just bring him on the show and hear it from the man himself. Manel, good to see you. How are you, sir? Good to see you again. Thank you so much for inviting me again for interview. Thank Absolutely. You. So we are uh, we are getting closer and closer to this debut on this huge mm. card. Bonterin, as we all know by now, he is out of the fight. And I know the UFC has been trying to find you a new opponent. What is the latest on that? Have they found you somebody to fight yet? Um, first, uh, I had new. I heard the new that uh, Roger can can fight. He had an injury. And um, uh, my manager and UFC start, uh, tried to find a new opponent. And this opponent uh, should be f uh, Formiga. Formiga for fight against me. But he, he don't accept the fight. He don't accept the fight. Um, we we tried to fight with Pantoja too. But uh, I have an injury too. Uh, oh, yeah! I broke my my ligament. I broke my ligament, uh, full ligament, and I had um, uh, another injury in the ligament. So I tried to train it like that, and I then become worse. You know, and then I come to hospital for make MRI, and they say for stop the training one month. The doctor say for. Don't do nothing. So we'll be worse if you do something uh, again. I was uh, training like that, <laughs> keep my training because I I really want to show my potential, show my skills, you know, and uh, forget the pain. So just training, you know, keep myself. But they say for I stop one month, so now no fight one hundred percent. No fight one hundred percent. What what ligaments? Did you injure, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, um, my uncle. My uncle. And your ankle? My uncle. Yeah, uh, before I had many injuries in my foot. It's not first time. First time when I fight in Rising, I had every time, every two weeks for fight, I had some injuries. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't know what's happened, but every two weeks uh, for my fight, I have uh, an injury. And uh, now I saw all fighters, uh, all um, all all pull up from pull up from fights. So this is not for happen now. All right. Is it um is it a little frustrating for you? Because I mean, this is an injury. It's the fight game. These things happen from time to time. But you know, you're getting ready to debut on this huge card. It's going to be your first fight in eight months. And if memory serves me correctly, this is the longest you have gone in your career without a fight. Yeah. Has this all been like a little discouraging for you? Or in a way, is this like a blessing in disguise that you have this extra time now? You know, um, every time, uh, uh, every time uh, if something happened, happened for some reason, you know. For first time, of course, when I had the injury, I was training wrestling and had these injuries. 
the injury. And uh, of course, I become uh, mad, uh, stress, you know, and from first time. But uh, then I know that this will uh, pass, and I know that uh, I leave everything in in the hands of God. I know that He do every time in the right reason. So all my life, uh, everything happened for some reason. I believe that I have uh, this um, this in my mind. Many, many stupid things happen in my life like that for something good happen, you know. So this is the one of the most things. So for you, now you're going to be a month without training. You're trying to heal up the ankle. When are you thinking you might be able to get back in there? Like October, November, maybe maybe the end of the year? When are you thinking at this point? You know, I don't have the, the right, uh, right answer because uh, the, the doctors say, for stop one month. So, um, I would like to stay uh, healthy for October, you know, for October. I would like to stay healthy for October. If no, I need to respect my body, you know, respect uh, what the doctors say and what is better for me. I, this time I, I, I want to stay 100% healthy for fight. I don't want to make any skills like many fighters uh, do oh I fight with this injury oh I come like you know so if I want to stay 100% you know I don't I never make excuses so um, if stay healthy for October I will fight in October that'd be huge if they put you on that pay-per-view card with Habib versus Justin Gaethje that'd be that'd be pretty massive so yeah. um what, do you remember like the last time? Because you said that it seems to be like every two weeks before a fight, some sort of crazy injury pops up and you have to fight yeah. through it. Do you remember like the last time you entered a fight as close to 100% as you probably will be for this one? Um, 100%, 100%. It's like, uh, it's like impossible to say, you know, 100%. Or close to it, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you know, uh, I I never think about my injuries. I had the injury before, but I never think, you know. And uh, <clears throat> I was I was training for this fight. I was training for this fight, and I think for myself, okay, I have this injury. I have a lot of pain in my ankle. So, but in fight, I don't will feel nothing, you know. Right. I know that I don't will feel nothing. You know, I say so excited for fight. Uh, so. I think I can. I can fight like that because in the day of the fight, I don't really feel nothing. I know. I know myself because uh, one time uh, uh, my uh, my f- my first my, my first fight with uh, Kaya Sakura, I broke my my I broke my my finger. I broke my finger, and I fight with the broke finger. You know, but I don't feel nothing. You know, just when finish of the fight and. A lot of a lot of things with the fight against um, uh, Origuchi or my last fight, my knee is a lot of pain. I swallow, you know, my knee swallow, but I don't feel nothing. I I in the last fight, I open my eyes in training. I open my eyes uh, like. Uh, two weeks for fight you know this is the the is the last week that i need to push 
Mohar, and then in next week rest. But no, I I cut my my eyes and just stay in the hospital, rest, do some cardio, you know, and feel a lot of pain. And I feel for if guy give me some um, some punch hard in my in my eyes can open, you know, right. can open and they can stop the fight. But it's okay. It's part of the job, you know. Yeah. We saw a, uh, a champion recently crowned in your new division. Davis and Figueiredo finishes Joseph Benavides in the first round. You know, it took a little while, but the 125-pound division in the UFC can start to move forward a little bit now that there's a champion crown. What did you make of uh, of Davison's performance and becoming the flyweight champion? Uh, I saw the fight as a, a, a good performance, you know, good performance. Uh, I saw Benavides, I think he's... Old for for continue the the fight, you know, for um, you know for follow. He lose the the speed, you know. He lose many things that uh, you know. I'm young, have a, a another young fighters, you know. You can't you can't compete like that, you know, with the young fighters. Um, I saw some mistakes uh, from um, from Davison, you know. You can you can see that he. His confidence with his strike uh, jujitsu, but he don't have some. He have some. He don't have something. He don't have cardio. You, I don't know if he's the. He's cut weight. I don't know if he cut too much weight, but he, you can see that he he, be, he become tired very early. You know, if he fight against me, like a, a guy against me, that my cardio start to grow up every 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 round. It be a. It will be something like is not will be good for him, you know. Is don't will like stay in same same octagon with me because I will let work in the first round, but in second round, one hundred percent that I will smash him like I want, you know. So I think he need work more this because I uh, I'm coming, you know, I'm coming. He need work more your cardio, try to train your speed, you know, because I saw my game, I saw my game, I I get. I can see that uh, is not uh, due respect to any fighter, but I can be a champion very easy, you know, in this division. Very easy, believe me. It looked like coming out of the card, like a lot of eyes were on August 15th for your fight because mm -hmm. we're talking about what could be next. And then there were three guys mm -hmm. that are probably in consideration to fight for the belt next. You got Brandon Moreno, Alex Perez, and then Askar Askarov got a win on that mm -hmm. same card. And now, from all indications, it seems like the UFC is interested in booking a title fight between Davison and Cody Garbrandt, who's going to drop down from 35. That is not done yet, but it seems to be the direction they want to go. As a guy who's about to enter this division, and you want to be champion yourself someday, what do you think of Cody Garbrandt coming down to 25 potentially and jumping the line and, and getting a title shot potentially here? We we would have uh, Cody Garbage in uh, one twenty five division uh, because he's the former Baltimore champion and this gives some motivation. You know, I like fight with the uh, big dogs. You know, um, first for the first time that uh, I will make my debut, I don't know that they who my, my I talk with my manager and uh, they want to give me I don't know some easy fight. You know, I say like I come here. I don't. I don't will accept any any fight if he's not someone than top five. You know, I don't come here for make my career like you know. Now I come for be a champion. You know, 
I'm a world champion. I know I know my potential, you know, I know my skills. And uh, I can see in 125 division, not have nobody better than me. And if you call the garbage, come for 125, will be good. You know, this will give me extra motivation, extra power for for fight against we against him. Uh, I saw his fight. He's a tough guy, you know. But just have this. He's just a tough, you know. But in this game, you need to have more, not just be a tough, you know. He is not smart. You can see work with his emotions, you know. Just see his hand, and um, I, I'm more complete than him. Um, and all the respects that I saw that he don't have. Um, so it'll be good. I'm I'm excited, you know. I'm I'm very 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 excited, please. So you're happy he's in the division so that you can fight 100%. him essentially, right? 100%. I'm 100% man. I'm, I'm excited, you know? What do you think of, like, because a lot of people are like, if Cody drops to 25, like, I'm cool with that. I just don't want to see him fight for the title right away because he's never made that cut to 25. We saw what happened with TJ Dillashaw. He looked terrible at that weight, and then he tested positive. So it was kind of a disaster when Dillashaw tried to do the same thing. No, can 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 be different, you know, because uh, you can see Corley Garbage, his body, he don't have legs, you know. <laughs> he just have, uh, his up is bigger, but his leg is skinny, you know, he's like a chicken, you know. So maybe he can cut, he can, he can make a 125 easy, you know. But uh, uh, Dillashaw is more, is more huge than him, you know, he's more bigger, he have more legs. His body is huge, you know. But Cody, no, Cody, not have any legs. He's skinny, you know. Just body is uh, is a strong in up, you know. He can, he can, he can make, he can make one twenty five. But he, I think he easy. I think he easy, you know. I think he easy. All right. Well, mm-hmm. that's good. All right, you're you're selling me on this because when I first heard about him fighting for the title, I was like, or potentially you fighting for the title, I was like, eh. no, you can see his body. No, no, you can see his body. You can you can see his body. He's very skinny in leg. He's very very skinny. Yeah, I think I think he can get there. I just almost want to see him take another fight first, and if he wins, yeah, then give him the title shot. I just want to make sure he can make that cut first, and then we could talk title fights. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. I agree. If uh, if he's like that, I was supposed to demand fight law again against uh, the title shot because I'm a world champion too. So I can fight <laughs> against another shop world champion. You know? <laughs> what a debut that would be! Champion versus champion. Uh, That'd be fun. Will be good. Will be good. One hundred percent. I love it, man. Uh, I'm sorry that you're dealing with this, Manel. It's it's pretty rough. I know you're getting ready for your debut, but like you said, these things happen, and it probably happened yeah. for a good reason. This division is starting to come along, and I think it's uh it's the best time in a long time for you to come in and and make some waves in this division. So I wish you all the best in your recovery. Hopefully, when you go back to the doctor in a month, you're you're cleared and ready to go. And hopefully, we see you, you in October with a huge fight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is what that I want. And um, I'm now in uh, physiotherapy all day, make everything good for uh, my recovery, become fast and uh, make my debut. All right, man. Thank you for the time as always. And uh, we'll get you back on here before that, fu- that, before that first you. fight happens. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
There is Manel Cape, the former Ryzen Bantamweight champion, set to make his UFC debut on August 15th at UFC 252. We will not see that happen, but we do wish Manel a very speedy recovery. But I got to say, even though it was kind of a bummer hearing him say that he's not fighting August 15th, he got me fired up. He wants a top five guy. He wants the Cody Garbrandts. He wants the Davis and Figueiredo's. And much like, you know, we say with, with Hamzat Shemaev, Manel Cape, he's a proven winner. He's a, he's a champion in a major promotion. If he wants a top five guy, give him a top five guy, especially in this division right now. Cape versus Askarov would be a lot of fun. I'm down for any of those fights. Perez, Moreno, sign them all up. I want to see Cape fight all these guys. He's going to be a really good addition to this division. No doubt about that. But let's move all the way up to the heavyweight division. Second straight finish on Saturday night for Tanner Bozer. Second big finish in a month's time. So let's see what the bulldozer is up to in Canada during his 14-day quarantine right now on What the Heck. All right, we have Tanner Bozer joining us. He picked up another impressive finish of Rafael Pessoa on Saturday at UFC on ESPN 14. Happy to have the bulldozer on the program for the first time. Tanner, good to see you, man. How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing great. Another big finish for you. This time you got a bonus to go along with it. And personally, I thought you should have gotten one in your last fight as well. But uh, all things considered, pretty successful trip to Abu Dhabi for you, was it not? Yeah, it was the most successful it could have been. I got I got a bonus on top of a win. That's uh, it's amazing. I'm I'm stoked. Uh, yeah, I, I thought I should have got a bonus last time too, but I got a bonus this time, so I'm not going to complain. There you go. And the fight, honestly, and, and I'm not throwing shade at, at Rafael. It it went pretty much the way I thought it would. Like the first round would be more of a of a calculated round for you, kind of see what was out there, and then the second round you'd come out more explosive. Was that how you approached it as well? Yep. Yeah, that was, that was it. You had fought like less than a month ago, and I'm sure we kind of discussed this off air a little bit. The word quarantine probably makes you cringe a little bit at this point, but you were able to pull this off, get that quick turnaround. If this was a year ago, this would have been much easier for you, I'm sure. But how much more difficult was it for you to turn around in this COVID era from the Lins fight in Vegas to get to Abu Dhabi and then do this all over again? Yeah, so it was more difficult because I wasn't, able to train. I, I fought Linz and then I had to quarantine for 14 days. When you return from out of country in Canada, you have to stay in your place of residence for 14 days. You can't leave. So I, I obviously didn't train. So I got off quarantine, heard about the fight Monday and I trained Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we flew out Thursday. You know, I would have been in the gym for at least a week if COVID wasn't, uh, the way it is right now. So, um, yeah, there was obviously that added a uh, bit of difficulty, but oh well. And I mean, it turned out good, so so be it. Did you have a feeling you would have an opportunity to fight in Abu Dhabi? And if so, how did you spend those 14 days of quarantine? Did you do anything to train and you know try to keep yourself in shape because you had an idea something might come along? I called for it. I didn't actually think I'd get it. And no, I did not train at all. First of all, I live in an apartment. So when I'm not allowed to leave it and even go outside, there is not a whole lot I can do here. Uh, and I just, my main diet was burgers and beer. So yeah, it was not an ideal training camp, but I was able to salvage some, some physical shape that remained from my last fight and uh, put myself through three days of hell and try and transform myself back before flying out. I was going to say burgers and beer. That might be my new diet. Cause you looked, you still look pretty darn good on Saturday night, all things considered. 
yeah, on Saturday night, the poison was out of my system by then. It, uh, <laughs> it was a painful process, though. Don't think it was fun. <laughs> All right. So maybe not burgers and beer for me, All but right, yeah. what, what did you think of the overall experience of Fight Island and Abu Dhabi? Like long trip, hot weather, 24 seven. Did you even have a chance to take in any of like the cool stuff made available to you guys? Or was this more like a, a full on business trip for you? Uh, we, I did get to take in some of that stuff the day after the fight. The day after the fight, we went down to Yaz Beach, uh, swam in the sea and had some drinks down there, had some food. It was awesome. And the weather's beautiful when you're not preparing for a fight. It's lovely. I just, you know, you don't want to go out and, and, uh, overdo it and get, I don't know, some sort of kind of can slow a guy like me down. I'm not used to that kind of heat. So before the fight, I treat it like a business trip because it is, it's, it's nose to the grindstone and sit in your room and be miserable and just wait, wait until the fight. So it was definitely nice though, to have that one day of, uh, of getting to enjoy, uh, getting to enjoy Yaz Island because Yaz Island and Abu Dhabi is definitely a beautiful place. What was the water like? I was talking to Calvin Cater. Yeah. And he said that he did, uh, he, he was on the jet skis and he said like, it wasn't even refreshing because the water was like hot. It was like yeah. going in bath water. The water is, is warm. Like, like border, like not just, Oh, that's, that's, that's comfortably warm. Like it's, it's warm, almost hot, but the water's so salty that if you dive in with your eyes closed, obviously, but you, obviously you open them when you come out, there's so much salt that it burns your eyes pretty badly. Even just, uh, even just going underwater with your eyes closed. It's crazy different. I've never experienced anything like that, but, uh, it was, um, definitely a cool thing that I'm glad I got to do. What most people forget about you, Tanner. And I see this all the time is that yes, you have a lot of experience in this sport, but you're only 28 years old and you're turning what 29 on Sunday. I think is that, is yeah. that what it is? but you're still like growing in this game. You haven't even hit your athletic prime yet. So would you agree that the timing of you at least getting into the UFC is perfect compared to say, if you got in there like two years prior? Yeah, actually I do agree. And I wouldn't have agreed with that two years prior. I would have thought, Hey, I deserve this. Why, why am I not getting signed? But I think it all worked out um, for me well in the end. I mean, we're not at the end, but where we are now, I'm happy with it. And I'm happy the way things are progressing and everything's going. And I'm still seeing improvements constantly in training. I've, I haven't ever stopped getting better or learning. So I think that the timing actually just happened to line up. Well, you know, the stars aligned in my favor here. So I just got to roll with it. And yeah, I hope you're right. I hope I'm not at my athletic prime or my fighting prime for several years. I hope this is just uh, scratching the surface. And it's a beautiful thing being in the division that you're in right now, because yeah, everyone's dangerous in the heavyweight division, but a lot of the top guys, they're in their thirties, a couple are in their forties and you're like the young buck on the block right now. I'm, I'm one of them. Yeah. There's uh there's a couple, right? I think gone's 29. Uh, but yeah, most, most of the heavyweight division is, is later thirties. Most of the top 15 guys are, <clears throat> in their, in their thirties and lots of them are late thirties. And yeah, some of them are early forties. So heavyweight division matures later than every other division. So again, I see that as an advantage I have hopefully and potentially a lot of time to grow. The road to getting to the UFC for a lot of fighters I've spoken to in the past, they feel like 
there's way more pressure that comes with like knocking on the door of that call as opposed to getting the call, like being in the UFC, once you're there, you know, a lot of that pressure's off and you could just kind of grow from there. Like, how would you view your road? Like, would you feel the same way or do you feel, you know, just as much pressure being in the UFC? There's as much pressure on every single fight. I don't think it changes necessarily fight to fight. The, you're, your back is always against the wall, at least a little bit. Every loss you take hinders your career. It, it, you get significantly less money. It's every single time the stakes are so high that I definitely don't think there's ever a fight where I can go in and be like, ah, you know, whatever happens, happens, right? Like, say la vie, we're just going in here for fun. Not how I view it. But I mean, if some people do view it that way, good for them. But no, uh, the pressure is the higher the stakes are. And I mean, the stakes are highest now in terms of um, purse at, at the very least. So, I mean, that alone makes the stakes higher than it would have been in a regional promotion trying to get signed, you know. So I, I would disagree, but you know, teach their own. And you signed a new deal before this fight, too, right? I assume. Yeah. Very happy with that deal. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Yeah. You were, you were mentioning how some fighters look at it as like, yeah, I'm in the UFC. This is fun. This is cool. But a lot of guys come in on the like on the opposite side and they're ready to, you know, just take the word by world by the balls and they want top 10 guys right away. And, and not saying that you necessarily don't want that, but you seem to have, I guess, more of a methodical approach to things. Like, how would you describe this path that you're on right now? I'm just I'm just happy to be here, man. I'm just having a good time. You know, I. I take it one fight at a time and it's a marathon, not a sprint. I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to jump in there and fight Francis and Ganu at my current pay grade. You know what I mean? Come on. There's, uh, there's smarter ways to go about stuff. I was actually in Boston covering that event when you made your debut against Daniel Spitz and it was a great win. You got the the second half of your pay, which is obviously very important. You got to show a lot in that fight as well, but I guess what would you say is like the biggest difference from the guy we saw that night in Boston to the guy we saw in Abu Dhabi on Saturday night? About 15 pounds. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I, uh, I got in really good shape and that that's shown it's, it's paid off for sure. I'm stronger. I'm hitting harder. Um, these things are, uh, for sure finally starting to show, but I felt good in the Daniel Spitz fight. I didn't finish him. I think Spitz is very tough. I think he's actually a really difficult guy to finish. He also proved that when he fought Godbeer, he took some insane punishment in that fight. So I don't look at that fight and be like, oh man, I should have finished that. No, it was a good fight. I showed a lot of my skill set. I'm, I'm not upset at that at all. And Spitz is an extremely durable guy. Like the way that he didn't, um, he didn't like, I know the leg kicks hurt him, but he never buckled. He never, uh, just kind of, wilted because of it. That's, it's pretty impressive. So I, I am not going to look at a decision win and be like, Oh man, I I'm so much better than that now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I improve every fight. And yes, I believe I'm better now a bit, but I don't think there was anything wrong with that fight. And I, I liked my performance in that fight. So I'd say the biggest difference is I'm in a bit better shape now, but I'm the same guy. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. It was a, a well-rounded performance, and I think you got to show a lot more, like you said, of your skill set in that fight. When did you sort of realize that you needed to, to drop those 15 pounds? Because I didn't. You, you, it just COVID, happened? Yeah, COVID happened, and I couldn't, I couldn't train. I couldn't uh, 
I couldn't grapple. I couldn't kickbox. I couldn't train with people. So all I did was focus on strength and conditioning by myself most days. And I would just do strength and conditioning for like three hours. So I just got in the best shape of my life because I just really couldn't do anything else. And then when we were finally able to start, you know, carefully group training with our cohorts and other buzzwords, um, I felt, I felt, uh, a noticeable difference in, in my strength and power, especially, and I don't want to go back. So I'm going to keep a, a steady focus on strength and conditioning. I'm going to, I'm going to hit it hard five days a week as soon as I can get back to the gym after this anyways. Yeah. But yeah, from here on out. Aside from the burgers and beers diet during the quarantine. There's nothing else to do in here. Dude. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, yeah. as ex- as expected after the win, you doubled down on the call out of Maurice Green and, you know, Maurice from, from speaking to him, he's up for that as well. And I think the timing works out great because he was a little banged up in that Volante fight. So he was thinking like September, October ish. I think that makes a lot of sense for him. That makes a lot of sense for you since Maurice was a top 15 guy less than a year ago. So when you look at it from a stylistic perspective, the X's and O's of it all, how do you like that matchup? Oh, I, I like the matchup, but it's a good fight. Like I'm not kidding myself. Maurice Green is a big man, and he's athletic. He's he's got he's got a dangerous skill set, and I think it's a good test. But yeah, I want that fight, and I've called for that fight, and I think it lines up good for both of us. And I know Maurice's game, so I mean, if uh, UFC wants to book that fight for September or October, just. Uh, call our managers up. And I don't, I don't think either one of us is going to turn it down. Yeah. I think it's time for that fight. What, what happened? Like, didn't you call for him? Was it after the Spitz fight or was it after the gone fight that you would ask no. for that fight? Cause he looks, I, his story's a little different than yours. Okay. So he, I was offered him in August after my July fight in Edmonton fell through when, um, captain dipshit there tested positive on the eve before, uh, weigh-ins. Uh, I was offered Maurice green in Anaheim and he turned me down and he turned me down because he wanted a top 15 opponent was his words. And I do believe him. He did want a top 15 opponent. It didn't work out for him, but although his logic is fine and I see where he's going with it, they didn't have anyone else for me to fight. And because of that, I didn't get paid in August and I could have got paid in August. So fuck him for that. You know, I'm, I'm, Trust me when I tell you this, I'm not going to ask you about 205. It's so silly to bring that up at this point, honestly. But I do have to ask you about uh, a somewhat viral moment from your post-fight scrum on Saturday, the opening of the monster can. Like, it was just oh. the slickest opening of a can I've ever seen. Like, there was no, <laughs> hold on one second, I have to open this can with my teeth. You just grabbed it and you went for it. Like, did you think that moment would get clipped and get the attention that it's gotten? Because I can't go anywhere on social media without seeing that freaking clip, Tanner. That's hilarious. No, I just... <laughs> I always want, I always crave uh, sugar and carbonation after a fight. Pepsi is my go-to, but the monster can was sitting right there. And I'm like, Hey man, a monster will do. And I mean, I'm, I'm missing my second front front tooth. And I, I open cans like that. I don't know when I started doing it, but at some point I did. So I just cracked it and chugged the monster. <laughs> so whatever. That's funny that it went viral. That's all right. What, I mean, what, what, what else can you open like that? Like, can you open beer bottles? Just like what cans. other things can oh, you do? No, I, I did it one time. I was really drunk once and I was open everybody's beer bottles with the tooth, but then I tried to do it when I wasn't super drunk and it hurt like hell. So I never tried it since then. I just cans. It just works on cans. 
Yeah, I, I would say so. Can, can I ask you about this um, this cyber bullying campaign that you sure. heard on Twitter? Like, I have to admit, I was following along with this, and because we see like we see how fickle some of the MMA fans can be. Like, some of them are just like the that's greatest a nice fans word world. for it. That's a nice word for it, fickle. For, yeah, for those who haven't like seen downright it, shitty is a better word. <laughs> okay. but. You said that, not me. But how did this all happen? Like, what inspired you to do that? Ah, uh, I was just. Uh, going through the comments, I told the story of my missing shorts, right? Said that if anybody yeah. sees, right? I mean, first of all, I wanted info if anybody knew where my shorts were. Second of all, I mean, whatever, it's kind of a funny story, so I'll tell it. And then, yeah, of course, there's always, no matter what, there's like, there's people who appreciate it, and then there's always a handful of people who just got nothing but dumb shit to say. But when Buddy came out and said, no one wants your shorts, you fat fuck, I was like, oh, he just he just lobbed one right up for me because I'm I I bet there's some people who are willing to say mean things to a stranger for a pair of shorts. So yeah, I just uh, threw it up there and said whoever says the meanest shit to this guy can have a signed pair of fight shorts. And I had hundreds of people message me screenshots in my in my Twitter DMs, and I went through all of them. <laughs> so that <laughs> took up one day of uh, took up one day of Fight Island waiting around. So that was all right. So this might be a new thing for you. Just keep posting wow. about and something. Oh, there's only so many pairs of shorts I got to give away, <laughs> but I mean, it, and one less now. So no, it was, uh, it was good. And sometimes you got to put those people on blast. You can't let them have it. You got to let them know. So, okay. So you didn't find the shorts after all that. No shorts were found. Oh no, no, no shorts were found. No. And now well, I owe a I pair of shorts to someone else who said something mean to a guy. So. That's so funny. Yeah, if you guys haven't checked that out, go through Tanner's Twitter and see it because it is absolutely wild. But hey, Elite, you didn't get your shorts back, but you come home with uh, with a win under your belt, another finish, and a and a fifty thousand dollar bonus to boot. So congratulations, Tanner. All the best to you. I, I I think the Morris Green fight makes all the sense in the world. Maybe in the fall, love to see that one go down and uh, continued success, man. Big things are coming your way. I think. Yeah. No. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Fun conversation right there with Tanner Bozier. Really enjoyed that one. And it makes all the sense in the world. I really like the idea of Tanner Bozier versus the crochet boss Maurice Green later on in the fall. But let's head to the world of Bellator MMA. They returned this past Friday night. Next event coming up next Friday night at Mohegan Sun, Bellator 243. Curtis Millinder joins the program right now ahead of his fight on that card with Saba Hamasi, here it is. All right, Curtis Millinder is joining us on the show for the first time. He's coming back in the Bellator cage next Friday, Bellator 242, taking on Saba Hamasi. Curtis, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It has been a crazy year for the sport and for you. You returned to Bellator this time as an active member of the roster in January, took on Moses Marietta. You looked terrific in that fight and he got the win and he got to do it in front of people, which a lot of fighters (laughs) cannot say in 2020. So what was that night like for you getting back in the Bellator cage, your first fight since, since the UFC release and having a performance like that? Um, that, that night was awesome. You know, it was, it, it meant a lot because I, I got to go out there and show that I'm just, I'm not just striker. I can take you down. I can go for submissions. I can do different things. And then, um, just the, the whole stress of not fighting 
from April to January and uh, the uncertainty, the uncertainty that I had, like just leading up that whole eight months, it was, it was a real stressful second half of 2019. I'm actually having a better time this year than I was this time last year. <laughs> did the whole series, did the whole scenario just like feel different to you? Like, did you feel like a different fighter compared to maybe the Bilal fight getting back in that cage? Did you feel like almost rejuvenated in a way being back in that environment? Yeah, you know, um, I, I had a lot of time off, so I got to heal up a lot. Um, I, you know, I got to sit down and refocus and go over things and to see what kind of fighter I wanted to be and uh, how I want to, you know, kind of go with the second half of uh, my my career. So um, I, you know, I had to step up some things. Since that fight, a global pandemic has taken the world by storm. It halted operations for Bellator for a while. They're obviously back up and running now, but. You mentioned 2020 has been a better start to the year than 2019 was for you. What has this time off been like for you? Um, you know, I got to get in the gym, lift some weights. I was I've never been big on lifting weights and uh in preparation for fights. So um I kinda had I got to add that to my repertoire. Um, you know, sit down studying a lot more fights, uh more conversations with my coaches and other people about fighting. So um just mentally and physically, like I've been able to put a little bit more into fighting and um without the stress of like, getting ready for a fight. So it's been just a, a big learning. Uh, big learning curve. I was speaking with Aaron Pico last week, and he said that he was made he was made aware that Bellator was targeting July, August to get back to work. And he actually like made himself a fight camp. Like he had about a nine or ten week training camp. He had no idea who he was going to fight. He just looked at a date and said, "Looks like we're going to fight at this time." So at least he did what the 2020 version of a fight camp can be and started preparing. But when were you sort of made aware that? everything was going to get back up and running for Bellator. They're getting ready to turn the lights back on and that you could be getting back in there and getting a fight. Um, I knew towards uh, the beginning of June, beginning of June, I was scheduled to fight um, May 29th. So when, when they, when they canceled that, um, I want to say like a week or two later that I, 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 they said that probably July, August was going to be around the time they're going to start bringing fights back for Bellator. So uh, I was able to get, you know, pretty much stay in shape. I wasn't in full, full fledged camp mode, but like I said, I was, I was doing a lot of things to mentally and physically prepare for fights without putting the stress on my body from a camp. So back to back fights, you have like a seven month layoff between fights. This is not like you usually you're, you know, three, four months at the most. Like, do you, do you prefer like once this fight ends and Bellator keeps going here, do you want to just get back to what you normally do? Get in there every couple of months? Yeah, I'm ready. I, I, I like, to fight three to four times a year. You just sitting around has been way too much sitting around. I'm, uh, I'm getting, getting heavy and <laughs> having to go away class. That is, I like, I, I like to be active. That's, that's, that's my thing. Three or four fights a year minimal. Saba Hamasi, he was, he wasn't the original plan, right? Is that accurate? I thought you had maybe somebody else lined up. Yeah, I was. So originally it was supposed to fight chilling May 29th. That fell apart. And then I was supposed to fight Tony Johnson Friday, this past Friday. And, uh, but so now I have Hamosi, but, uh, you know, uh, at, at this, at this point in my career, everybody's going to do the same thing. So I'm, uh, once I start punching them in the face, once they see the speed, once they see the power and the, the way I move, they're, they're going to start diving for the legs. So, um, at, at this point, there's not going to be too much that I haven't seen. 
Yeah, Saba had a run in the UFC as well. Didn't go swimmingly for him, but he's won his last two fights. I was at his last fight where he had the 17 second knockout in August, but he likes to get in there and stand and bang and finish fights in violent fashion. And I know you're no stranger to that as well. So from a stylistic perspective, you have to be loving this fight, right? Um, yeah, I love it. But like I said, everybody, everybody turns into a wrestler when they once once they actually got to stand in front of me and they see what I bring to the striking game. Um maybe half a round before he starts shooting. Does it change things up at all in terms of preparation? Like you've been in the game for a while now, like you said, not, not a lot changes for you, but I can't imagine too, too much is going to change for you going from one opponent to the next, right? No, not, not at all. Yeah. I've, I'm always focused on what I can do and my skill set. Um, and you know, like I said, these, this last year I've been, getting back on the mats, wrestling a lot more, grappling a lot more, doing a lot of competitions just um, so I can be comfortable showing everything. Not just, I know I can do it, but I haven't had the complete confidence that I can do it like on you know, when it's time to do it. So that's what I've been working on. What does that confidence mean to you now that you have it and you're feeling it? What does that mean to you? It means everything, you know, I, uh, it's what, <laughs> now that I know I can do it whenever I need to, however I need to, I, I'm going out there to apply it. I need, I need to get some submissions. These next, the next two or three fights that I'm going for submissions. Did you watch the card on Friday? Yes. I, well, I watched most of the, uh, the prelims. I didn't get to watch, uh, I watched the main and the co-main but I didn't, and all the prelims, but I, I missed the, the opening Pico and, uh, the fight right after what did you what did you sort of take away from the execution in this COVID-19 era we're a part of because it seemed like everything went off without a hitch and was pretty well done yeah it was smooth you know uh the the usually the Bellator cards are really long they feel like they're really long and this was like nice smooth short simple here let's fight here's some hype for the next one there's some more fights and it was awesome I liked it how do you see this all going down next Friday night? You you want to go for a submission? Do you see it ending in a submission next Friday? I, I see it ending with a finish. You know, that's the only way I'm gonna get what I want is uh, go out here and finish these dudes. So, and what do you want? Because you did say after your last fight, you had your eyes locked on a on MVP, on Michael Page. That's a fight you want. And obviously, we don't want to look past Saba next week. But is that still kind of what you're looking at um, if all goes you well? Know, that that's always there, but you know, uh, we've been paired and matched so many times to, and I'm not the one saying no to where, you know, it, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't, but, uh, I'm sure, um, any, anybody, uh, anybody that's going to get, you know, get me the, the, get me closer to the belt, being the top of the heap, getting paid. Like, I think I should, like, I feel like I should. That's, that's what I want. How many times have you been offered that fight? Four, four or five times. Really? Yeah. La the last time, <laughs> yeah, last time on a week, a week's notice when he definitely, when he had his best chance, he didn't take it. So, wow. I saw, um, I saw an Instagram post of yours a while back. I'm pretty sure this is you. And if it's not, then I'm going to eat some crow here, but you were wearing, uh, like a WWE face mask. And you said that you were a WWE fan for life. Do you, Huge. do you still watch WWE now? Like, do you, I, I have to be honest with you. I've tried. Oh, Wait, is this this right? oh, yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I, see, that era, I was very much into. But now it's it's got to be tough. For me. It's a little tough for me, man. Do you watch now? Uh, I, yeah, I watch now. I my sons, they, they're they big fans, too. So I, I watch it now. I find you know, 
I find people to to like to make me uh, stay interested. So there's a lot of guys who are connected to the older guys that 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 work out for me. Who who's on your who do you watch? Who do you guys like to watch? Uh, Randy Orton, uh, and uh, I like uh, Bray Wyatt the Fiend. Uh, his 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 mic work it, like it brings me back to the day. Like Stone Cold, listen to the Rock, Stone Cold, those guys on the mic. So it's it's fun. I I, I still find like the gems that kind of keep me uh, interested. Yeah. I was actually at WrestleMania 14 when Steve Austin won the title for the first time against, against the guy you're wearing right yeah, now. Good job. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shawn, Michael, Shawn Michaels is my best, my favorite of all time. So yeah, not, not a bad person to, to put in that category, but Curtis, I appreciate the time, man. Looking forward to seeing you back in there. I'm glad Bellator's back to work and we get to see you in a, in an exciting fight with, with Saba Hamasi and looking forward to see what this, what 2020 is going to look like for you towards the end. All the best to you next Friday. And, uh, and thank you for the time, man. No problem. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Curtis Millinder, big WWE fan, big wrestling fan. He's returning to action next Friday. That fight with Saba Hamasi should be a fun one, of course. The main event of Bellator 243 next weekend. Next Friday, as a matter of fact. Michael Chandler versus Benson Henderson, too. It's a pretty good card. It is. It's, you know, last Friday's was a seven-fight card. This is going to be a lot more than that. Co-main event, Matt Mitrione versus Timothy Johnson, the man with the golden mustache. Miles Jury versus Georgie uh, Karkanian. That'll be a fun fight, 155 pounds. And even the prelims. Are, are really strong. Taylor Johnson's back against Joel Bauman. Adam Borch versus Derek Campos. There's no way that fight's not going to be insane. AJ Agazarm versus Chris Lencioni. Christian Edwards is back. Nainoa Dung, he's a great fighter. Three and one, he's looking to get back to his winning ways. Grant Neal is finally going to make his Bellator debut. And then uh, Valerie Lareda is back in action against Tara Graf. So be a, a good little change of pace for Bellator getting a, a full card back together. We'll see how that plays out next Friday night. As we head to our final guest of the show, Jesse Ronson returned to the UFC in a big way at UFC on ESPN 14. His post-fight interview was just as fiery as the performance itself. So here's my chat right now with the body snatcher, Jesse Ronson on What the Heck. All right, we have another one of the big winners from Saturday night's UFC on ESPN 14 event. Jesse Ronson took on Nicholas Dalby, submits him in the first round. What a story this was to get back to the octagon. Welcome back to the UFC, Jesse. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I feel great. Uh, you know, most interviews I think I've ever had to do uh, after a fight, so it's, it's exciting. I think everyone at this point is is well aware of your story of what happened a couple of years ago and your road to get back to this place you're in right now. And you get the opportunity to come back into the UFC. You get a quick finish. You get a bonus. I mean, this is like this is like out of a movie script, is it not? This is crazy. Right. That's uh, it. It is, you know, movie esque. It's it's got that level of epic to it, especially with the the background story and everything that I've been through to get back and uh, to get that win the way I got it uh, over a guy that's never been finished before a weight class up is good, especially uh, not too many people know what happened uh, uh, during the day. If you guys wanted to touch on that, but we, it, it was just an absolute crazy, crazy time. Well, what happened during the day uh, at seven in the morning? I got a phone call from uh, the UFC saying I tested positive for COVID-19 on, on Saturday. 
Yeah. So uh, six people that day had uh, false positives. All of it came back negative, but at seven in the morning, they called me and they're like, yeah, you have to stay in your room. We're sending people up to test you again. Uh, so 7.30, they came and they tested me. Um, 3.30, they came back and they tested me twice. They did the nose test, which hurt like hell, and uh, another throat swab. And then finally at 10.30 at night on fight day, they said, your tests are good and negative. Uh, don't worry, six other people had false positives. They're all negative. Everybody's good. Uh, yeah, you're good to fight now. And I'm like, oh, great. It's good to know that I'm good to fight now on fight day, you know. An hour and a half before I got to go down and start warming up and get my hands wrapped up. You know, I haven't slept at all all day because I was super nervous. And, uh, you know, it's out of my hand. I, I probably should have. But, uh, you know, with the, the screw up that happened in 2018, I was like, just my luck. This would happen to me where uh, I would get screwed over the day of the fight. So luckily it all came back and sorted itself out. And uh, I was able to go in there, fight and get that W. Wow. So 90 minutes before you were supposed to like get your stretching in and get your warmups in, you find out that you're cleared to fight. That is, that is wild. Like what is, when you finally got the news that you were cleared to fight, like what was your reaction? Like, cause you probably thought when you got that call, you were like, Oh, this is like my destiny. This crazy road continues. And then all of a sudden you get cleared. Was it like the stars officially aligning in your brain in a way? Uh, essentially. Yeah. It's like, okay, you can't, you can't just keep me down and keep kicking me when I'm down. Uh, it's like, cause I've been consistently tested the whole time. So it's like, you know what, Jesse, this has been a super sweet moment for you, but we need to test you one last time to see if you, if you've got the conviction and you can persevere through it. And I did. So it's like, it's, it's not the universe trying to screw me over, but it's like, are you really worthy of it? Are you mentally strong enough? Like you say you are and a hundred percent I was, and you know, you suck it up, you go there and you, you just got to put it all behind you. And I, I used it. I used all that emotion and all that strain and, uh, and put it to use and, you know, put it to use on Delby. So how did this all happen to get you back? Like, cause 2018 you're scheduled to fight Diego Fajera at UFC 231. We know what happened there at the weight and most would agree. And I think you probably said this yourself that another opportunity to get back in the UFC at best was unlikely considering the reaction and like precedent set in the past. So, you know, Dolby needs an opponent. How did you get this call? Like, how did this all come? Was, was, was it like you presented as a, as a potential option or did your manager just call you and say, dude, you're in the UFC again? Um, the, it was Canada day for me. It was like 10 o'clock at night. And he goes, uh, the message I swear to literally is as follows. Uh, July 25th, 170 pounds versus Nicholas Dalby. And I said, sure. And he goes, no, 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 you're doing it. And I'm like, okay, is it for the UFC? And he goes, who else is putting fights on you? Dumb shit. (laughs) Let's go. And he's like, yeah, we're going. And, uh, I'm like, okay, thank you. Uh, shit. Let me, let me tell my coaches and people that I've been training with. So they, they know what's going on. And like, I was still in shock. And then the next day I got the contract. I'm like, okay, so he's not just pulling my leg. This is for real. All right, let's go. I was I was not expecting uh, a UFC fight because <clears throat> I've been harassing him for for months trying to get me a short notice fight. And he, the, it's because you needed a P1 visa to fight in the US, but <clears throat> for Abu Dhabi, you don't need that P1 visa. You just you, you just got to go there. So I lucked out on there. So yeah, I guess the stars aligned for me, and uh, they uh, it just worked out. 
Yeah, and it was like a little reunion between you and Abu Dhabi because you fought there a couple of times in your career, right? And then like, you know, all the craziness of COVID-19 and the pandemic, you're probably like, I don't care if this thing's on the moon. This is my time to to show hmm. some people what's up, right? Oh, 100%. Uh, over the last seven years, <clears throat> excuse me, I've done everything and anything I could to improve myself. When I was in the UFC in 2013, 2014, I, I had wrestling defense is what I had. I had jujitsu defense. I was just a two-stripe white belt, and all I had was uh, my kickboxing base. Now, my kickboxing's better. I'm a two-stripe brown belt. I'm out wrestling D1 wrestlers and and submitting black belts and, and high-level brown belts and everything. Like I just feel that my skill set, the way... The where where it is right now, and it can still improve. I just feel like now is the right time, and uh, I'm glad I got to showcase what I got to do uh, or what I could on uh, July 25th. And <clears throat> I'm looking for a, a real tough guy for uh, my next fight, which I'm hoping uh, November or early December. There you go. But right in the middle, right smack dab in the middle of the holiday season, huh? Well, well, birth- actually, well, not Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's here in America, but Christmas and stuff, right? My birthday is December 24th, so I'd love to fight before <laughs> December 24th so I can celebrate my birthday. <clears throat> and then Christmas right after, and then New Year's right after that, and then get back to it. So, um, like I said, November would be perfect. I could be ready for uh, for late October if they needed me. Uh, it would put a lot of stress. I mean, as soon as I get out of this quarantine, I got to get back on the diet. But, you know, which is probably good for me at 14 days of rest and being able to splurge is more than enough. So I'll be ready to get back to it after this. So I could be ready for late October, but, you know, November would be ideal, mid to late November. But before you got the call, I'm curious about this. Where was um, did you still have like a feeling that this might happen or had you accepted the fact that the UFC may not be an option anymore for you after everything that happened? Did you still have that feeling like like I'm mad because, you know, like. I don't know if you're married or not. Like I'm married. And when I met my wife, I wasn't looking for anything. Cause normally guys were like, oh, I can't wait to find that girl at the bar. And when you're not looking for it, that's when love hits you. Is that kind of like how this was with the UFC call for you? Or did you believe that it was going to happen for you? Uh, I knew at one point, not this soon, I was thinking maybe next year, but, uh, the guy that I just fought before UFC, Troy Lampson, he was like the number one guy in North America. Like Dana White talked to him and they 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 loved him. They wanted him. The UFC wanted him. So I was like, that's that. I want him. I want to fight him and I want to make an example of him to show like, hey, you know, this is your hot prospect that you want so bad. Uh, are you guys going to be paying attention to me after I smash him? You know, after dropping him twice and choking him out, you know, he's the D1 wrestler in jiu-jitsu black belt. And I absolutely annihilated him. Like I, I made a statement. So I was like, yo. This is the guy that you want. This is your next up and coming guy. And he just got smashed by me. I told you, I've been trying to tell you, I am good. Like, trust me, like, give me my shot and I will show you. And uh, yeah, then the COVID-19 thing happened and I was like, all right, well, UFC is probably not going to happen this year. So I'll just, you know, again, keep developing my skills and keep pushing. And then, uh, yeah, boom, call happened and, you know. Well, the best part of all of that was a lot of people were giving Sean Shelby shit for, for signing me. They're like, oh, why would you sign this guy? He's 21 and 10, you know, 34 years old. We've got this guy, this guy, and so on and so forth. It, it felt so good hearing Sean Shelby say, thank you for that, Jesse, because now there's a lot of people out there that I can tell to go eat shit and to never <laughs> again. I'm like, yes, thank you, sir. 100%. He's like, yeah. He's like, you don't understand how many people I've texted to be like, uh, 
what about that? What, what did you have to say about my, my judgment and me signing this guy? Oh yeah, that's right. Shut the hell up. He just beat this guy a weight class up first round submission and got a bonus. So wow. How satisfying was, was that? Oh, it was so, it was so good to hear that. And, uh, you know, and that was on the plane ride back. Cause he was like sitting like right across from me. It was like me, uh, Tanner Bolzer was to my right. Carlos Sparza was to my left. And then he was up to the left. So we had 15 hours of flight together and it was good. I got to, I got to know a figure old, well, not figure, but I got to know a lot about Sean Shelby and, and what he used to do, uh, back in the day. It was pretty cool. What did he used to do back in the day? He told me he was a stuntman. Um, really? Yeah, he used to do it. He wrestled for, for 10 years or so and did martial arts. And then he, he became a stuntman. And uh, yeah, he I think he said his biggest role was being a stuntman for, for Colt and the Three Ninjas. Oh my that, God. It's unreal. I was like, get the hell out of here. So he's like, yeah, he's like, he did that for a couple of years and it took its toll on his body. And then, yeah, it was, he, he's, led a, he's led a pretty interesting life to say the least. You wouldn't expect, I was like, no way. Yeah, he's a... Uh, yeah, and he's he's actually a super nice guy. He's super cool, and uh, it's just something you wouldn't expect. Wow, I haven't heard Three Ninjas in twenty five <laughs> years, probably. A great movie, growing up too, right? So it's, good. Wasn't expecting that at all. Wow, your story is just like amazing. Even adding that to it, because you know, with all the things that happen, you go in there in your return up a weight class, and you finish a guy like you said who hadn't been finished. When the referee like pulls you off. What is going through your mind in that moment? Like, could you even put it into words? Yeah. Um, if the first feeling is, you know, F, yeah, I just did. It, and then it's like, did this, is this happening? It's like, you see when the ref pulls me off, I get up and I, I lift my arms and then I, I look down at him and I'm like, this, this is real. This is, oh shit, this is real. Yeah. You know, and then I get back to the cage. And I'm like, woo, holy shit. And then uh, the commission and, they all come over to me because my nose was uh, leaking a little bit. They're like, how do you feel? I'm like, I just got my UFC debut. And how the hell do you think I feel? I'm like, <laughs> super excited. They're like, yeah, go, go enjoy it. You're good. Right. And I was just super excited. Like I'm shaking right now thinking about it. It's like, it's, it's still fresh. You were on fire in your post-fight interview on a roll. I mean, it was probably just like the, mostly the excitement, but you call out Luis Pena, you call out Jalen Turner, you tell him to, go eat some food and go up to 170. Like it was great stuff. Like, was that, was that something you planned on doing or is that like adrenaline and momentum at the top of the dome there? Well, everybody always says, you know, because the way the UFC is going right now is that you should have somebody in mind to call out before, uh, like just like when you get that win, like who do you want next? And you're most likely going to get it. So I love fighting tall guys. 90% of my training partners at the gym are, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". So I, I looked them up and, you know, we got Luis Pena that's 4-3 and three in the UFC and Jalen Turner that's 2-2. Two and two. I would love to fight Luis Pena because, you know, on the plane ride back, they were asking me, like, who who do you want? And I was like, oh, Luis Pena or, or Jalen Turner. And they're like, oh, man, Luis Pena is tough. And I'm like, oh, he's tough. Perfect. I love tough guys. I love tough, tall guys because... You know what? That means they can take it and everything that I dish out, if they're tough and they can take it, that just means I got to dip into the tool bag and pull out more skills. So it's like I can use more of my flashy, fancy stuff, stuff that nobody's seen before, because it takes a real tough guy uh, in order to to showcase everything. Right. Because if you just I didn't get to showcase much versus Dolby other than some good counter punching and finishing ability. But against a tough guy like Luis Pena, you know, 
I can show off more head movement angles, fancy kicks, fancy footwork, you know, wrestling defense. Cause apparently he's a wrestler. Every, like I get to show off more, especially if he can take it. So I, I would love to fight a guy like that. And yeah, I'd been practicing that speech a little bit. Um, the only thing that I had saved in my head was the, uh, ice cubes and lettuce part. <laughs> But seriously, how how can you be, you know, a full grown man at six foot three fighting at one fifty five? Like, are you, have you hit puberty yet? Like, is manhood actually come to you? Because that doesn't make sense. Like, you're just too small. Like, you're skinny as hell. Like, I don't get it. Like, how do you? How does the? How do your bones not break under the weight of just going down the stairs? Like, <laughs> I don't get it. So yeah, the chirps are are plenty if they if they want to answer. But uh, Luis Pena is definitely the number one guy that I want to fight. He tried to get to 45 once before. And like, yeah. I think he missed, but he was close. Uh, no, I heard he missed weight by like eight pounds or something. Was like it that, that much? I thought it was like four pounds or five. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I remember hearing somebody, he missed by a lot. Like it wasn't, it wasn't even close. So four pounds is close, ish, I guess. But uh, I think it was more than that. Like, I don't yeah. think he hit under 150. So, and you're yeah, just you no, right. six foot three. What are you doing at 145? Like iceberg, ice cubes and, uh, and lettuce. Like that's, that's <laughs> not enough. Like you're Jose Aldo. When he cuts to 35, he's got to eat like four pounds of lettuce a day or salads. And I'm like, no, 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 that's just not right. That's crazy. You were on the, um, you were on the same card with him because everyone who got a finish outside of Trinaldo got a bonus. Um, but you guys both had first round finishes, but Hamzat Shamayev, that mania is running wild right now, and you got to share the card with him. What have you sort of made of uh, of his entry into the UFC, getting the two wins in 10 days, and and all the hype he's picked up? And just, I don't know how much you were around that guy on Fight Island, but, uh, you know, what was it like sharing a card with that guy and seeing what's come out of that? I didn't even get to see his fight. Um, when I got to the island, like the first day I got to the island, he was in the elevator uh, with me as I was going to my room, and I'm like, who, who is this guy? Because... Uh, I didn't know he was fighting on the card, but that guy's, he's what is he eight and oh and all finishes. And he just looks like a crazy SOB and he just seems so calm. Like he's the type of guy that a grenade would go off and he wouldn't even jump. Everyone would be like, Whoa, what was that? And he would just be like, <laughs> I know a lot of people are, are putting him up. They're like, Oh, he might be next for Kamuro Usman or whatever. Nah, like, uh, give him a good test. Like he did, he just fought a guy um, that, you know, took the fight on short notice and then, you know, him fighting at 85 and getting a, a quick win, you know, but give him somebody with uh, good credentials. Like, uh, you know, Damian Maya would be a good test for him. Colby Covington would be a good test for him, but those guys, again, it wouldn't make much sense for him other than to fight uh, a big name because he'll make what, like 16, 18, 18 and 18 to show maybe at most. Whereas, those two guys are making over a hundred. So on, even on a win with a bonus, he won't be getting paid like those guys. So to me, that doesn't make sense, but for him, he probably doesn't care. He just wants to slay people. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I said, I watching him. I mean, our producer Casey is just like, throw this guy to the wolves. Like, let's go give him top five, give him top 10. And if they gave him a top 15, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. I'd like to see it. But I think him and like a guy like Cerrone makes all the sense in the world. Like it's not a top 15 guy. It's a guy with a name and it's a guy who will test Hamzad anyways. Like the guy's not going to be afraid of Shamayev whatsoever. He's the numbers and the stats and the 192 strikes to two over those two fights. That's not going to scare cowboy. So I'd kind of like that idea sink or swim kind of a fight. Is this guy ready for a top 15? 
If he beats Cerrone, maybe. If not, we know he's not quite there yet. We could push him back a little bit. I was thinking maybe uh, like a Cowboy Oliveira because they're both coming off wins on the same card, him versus Cowboy. Both tall, lanky guys. Um, Cowboy can or Cowboy Oliveira can, can throw down and he doesn't have much quit in him. So we would probably get to see Chimaev get tested on the feet before he starts wrestling again. Um, but yeah, Cow- or, uh, Cowboy Cerrone, however, would be more of a threat to Chimaev on the ground. Right. But uh, I can see him just blasting through Cowboy too at this point. Maybe Cowboy five years ago would be a good test for him, but Cowboy right now and that young stud, yeah, I-, I can see, no offense to Cowboy, he's like one of my all-time favorite fighters, but I can just see Chimaev just pounded right through all the jiu-jitsu that he has. Yeah, he's he's on another level right now, and so are you coming out of that win. That was uh, that was very impressive. Could you ever see yourself fighting? I mean, you may have, like, as an amateur, maybe early in your career, but turning around that quickly, 10 days, down a weight class, like you fought at 170 one day and then 10 days later fighting at 55, like a week and a half later, would you do that, like, now? If I could, uh, yeah. Like, uh, this fight, I had my weight cut from 176 down to, and I got down to 170 and then rehydrated up to 171 for weigh-ins, but fight day, I was 182 which means that I would have to lose, you know, 25 pounds in 10 days, which would be just a lot of water manipulation. That'd be a lot of stress on my body to handle. Um, I would probably do it the other way around where I would go 155 and then 10 days later, 170. But I don't think I could, at this point in my life, I don't think I could do it the other way around 170 and then 155. I'd have to do it backwards, 55 and then 70. I would totally do it because who wouldn't want that double paycheck? There you go. So best case scenario for you, November, you and Pena makes all yeah. the sense in the world to me as well. I would love that. Even though they say it's like, oh, well, he's coming off a loss. Well, it doesn't matter. Like he's four and three in the UFC. I'm technically one and three in the UFC, one and oh now. But so to me, it makes sense. Like, just give it to me. And, or, and like, yeah, you're, he's a tough guy. It is what it is. I don't care if he's coming off a loss or a win right now. To me, we're around the same pay grade and we have, you know, almost around the same amount of fight. He's got seven. I've got four, but, uh, I got more experience than him for overall fights. And it just, uh, to me, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, me and violent Bob Ross can paint an excellent picture of violence together in the cage. <laughs> you have a way with words, my man. And then we just got to play the, 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 the lettuce and ice cubes thing. And you got the promo all set up for that fight. It's a beautiful thing. So congratulations <laughs> on the win, man. I appreciate you coming on and, and talking all about it. What a road it has been for you. And now because of you and telling me that Sean Shelby story, I'm going to have to probably buy now three ninjas and watch it tonight. So I appreciate your time and uh, congratulations on the win. Hopefully you get what you want with the Pena fight in November. Sounds good to me. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time and the call. Very happy for Jesse Ronson. What a crazy story that would have been if uh, that wasn't a false positive COVID-19 test on the day of the fight. Just just crazy. That's just a crazy story. Very happy for that guy coming off his big win. Then he had names ready to go in the aftermath. So people are still talking about Jesse Ronson. Gets a bonus as well. Pretty solid return to the octagon for the body snatcher as we wrap up another edition of what the heck right here on mmafighting.com thank you for watching thank you for listening make sure you subscribe however you partake in this program whether it's audio or video we appreciate that very much of course all the other great content on the program we have on to the next one on mondays that's an audio podcast matchmaking the ufc event from the weekend before 
We have Between the Links, which drops Tuesday morning. I love doing Between the Links. That might be my favorite show to do. And I love talking to the fighters, but Between the Links is just so much fun. We have the A-side on Wednesdays with Jose Youngs, E. Casey Lydon, and a potpourri, if you will, of different guests, fighters, journalists across the sport of mixed martial arts. And then we get this show on Thursdays. And then Fridays for the foreseeable future, weigh-in show, preview show, events on Saturday, post-fight shows, all that good stuff. Because it doesn't look like we're going to have much of a break in the action from this sport for a long time, at least the next couple of months. So get ready for a lot of mixed martial arts action. Big thank you to Casey Lyon on the production, Esther Lynn on the graphics. Thank you all very much for watching. I am Mike Hack, and as always, have a heck of a week, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.